Thank you so much. It's a joy to be together on this wonderful journey, which, as we know, goes far beyond healing. It goes uh, into the realm where the possibility of illness is uh, gone forever. But we must understand that the reason why we fall ill, why there is suffering, the ultimate reason is not just ignorance, that is one part, but the hub of ignorance is the imperfection of matter. And as long as we have a material body which is yet untransformed, it's like the fortress of all kinds of forces that can easily emerge from the subconscious realm because matter is emerged out of that, matter as we experience it, not matter in its originality. So the result is that there is a constant battle which goes on within the human body and it, this battle to start with is an individual battle but it can become a collective battle as the mother explains that you know her whole body's, own body has become a battlefield. And in this body, in this battle, one thing is certain that eventually the divine forces are going to be victorious. To align with them more and more is the path of victory. But at the same time, we must know that it's a long process, a long journey, and we must be armed with a patience and perseverance, as the mother says, as is required in the discovery of new continents. So this is not a quick fix system. You know, it's not like <laughs> immediately we do something and we get well. That's yes, of course it's there. But the vulnerability in the Ayurvedic department, the mother gave a message that in the supramental body, immunity will be spontaneous. So we have to strive for that day, which the mother and Shurabindra have not only foreseen, but assured and they've given a path when there will be no more need of illness to progress. So, this is the basic thing. Second is that matter and material body as it is today is not receptive easily to the forces uh, which heal. So, it's important that the material body through physical culture, even perhaps an intense and conscious physical culture, learns to open and becomes receptive to the divine forces which are always there in this world to help and succor. So this is the background with which I would take the questions. The first question is, um, I experienced mother's grace early on, have been hardworking and I believe in sincerity and truth. I'll give a pause wherever I feel it's necessary. Sincerity in the yogic sense is entirely connected with the divine. So, what we understand as a human sincerity, for example, we understand that in my work, I am sincere, I go there on time, do my work well, or in my family duties, I am sincere. Now, all these are important in the course of our development because they help grow within us the power of sincerity. But eventually, from the yogic perspective, sincerity is to center our life and its movements around the divine. So, there is a little bit of shift with regard to that, often I am able to forgive people who are dishonest, lack sincerity. Um, it's wonderful. At the same time, it's good not to judge because people are what they are, not because they want to be like that. It's because of their nature. So once we understand this wide perspective of life, it becomes much easier. I remember a Russian lady who was, um, last six months I was involved with her. 
in her uh, treatment and then one day almost after four or five months a few weeks before her departure she suddenly tells me i have finally forgiven my husband you know her husband was she was divorced 30 years back but she was holding something inside and she was a well known dancer and you know artist with regard to drama and everything so i said oh that's wonderful but what did you do to you know what happened what really transpired she said i remembered the words of the geeta she couldn't fully recollect it says something like human beings are like a machine it's yantra runini maya so human beings are helplessly driven like flies on a machine so of course we can say that they are responsible in the sense they don't try to come out of this state so the misery of human beings is because not just because of ignorance but lack of will to come out of the ignorance and that is pathetic but they are what they are because of that there is a larger context it's like people are in the blind um, room and hence they jostle against each other not realizing that you know all that we need is to switch on the light so this state should be there within us however i get uh, do get angry and hold back that anger uh, is wonderful what has been written here that i believe they deserve a chance not a chance million chances and i take this cue our role model is the divine and if i look at the number of chances he gives to human beings it's ad infinitum there is a very famous story about shurbindo of course that is way up when every somebody would go and tell him that uh, so and so has done this and we need to take some action and shurbindo will say give him one last chance one last chance <laughs> so niruddha writes and we know that one last chance is going to extend forever in fact rebirth is another chance so the divine keeps giving chance because if chances are not given there would be no hope now when we use the word giving chance it doesn't mean that somebody is knocking at us constantly and we give another chance to knock at us that's not what is meant by giving a chance it's not like okay i will choose myself to be knocked by you because you deserve another chance it doesn't mean that it means with regard to forgiveness we must understand human beings struggle and once we struggle with our own difficulties we become compassionate and generous so more than forgiving we should be generous and compassionate understanding the real reasons for the struggle the real reasons why people are what they are and then forgiveness is not required it becomes spontaneous and effortless and then this is this is good deserve, deserving a chance but the other part however i do get angry and hold back that anger though i never express it on them and this leads to a lot of pains and aches yes it's not a good thing to hold within oneself all these uh, you know negative energies as it is called today because what will happen it's energy if you don't direct somewhere it is going to hurt and harm inside it will probably inflame the stomach it will you know lead to rise of blood pressure etc so there must be a way to deal with this energy so energy of anger can be best uh, not best but at least one good way to divert this energy of anger is to turn to sports uh, pick up any game badminton or you know um, play sports and you see what happens when there is india pakistan match so much aggression comes out you know as if if one country loses the other country feels a victory of the whole nation so when we play a game these energies get diverted in a very beautiful way in the ashram context this what mother has created an arrangement where there lot of physical workout 
फिजिकल वर्कआउट इज अ वेरी गुड वे टू डायरेक्ट दी एनर्जीज ऑफ एंगर जस्ट एज आर्ट म्यूजिक एंड पोइट्री आर ए वेरी गुड वे टू रिफाइन द सेक्शुअल एंड लस्टफुल इम्पल्सिस सो दैट्स वेयर वी स्टैंड यू नो थ्रू दीज मीन्स वी रिफाइन अ बींग सो स्पोर्ट्स इज अ वेरी गुड थिंग एंड दैट्स वाई यू सी दिस इज इंस्टिंगटिवली बी नोन इन एशियन टाइम्स फर्स्ट देर वे वार्स दैन ग्लेडिएटर्स now we have olympics so this is a very good way where all our aggressive energies get diverted so practice it some of the games which are excellent from the spiritual point of view are table tennis and lawn tennis uh, table tennis incidentally is a game which uh, was started by the uh, lamas in the lameseries and it was a way to channelize their aggression and to teach and train the consciousness to learn to respect even when you are losing so it was a very interesting game where uh, now of course it become a fast game but the person will hit the ball and then he would bow down and then there is an, another person again hits back and again he bows down it was like a constant reminder and you see what happens in game you shake hand then there is a whole wrestling match competition at the end you again embrace so um, do play games and sports one of the best ways to divert anger and uh, i i don't recommend this kind of you know thing like Uh, express it on on a piece of paper or you know take a punching bag no play a game if nothing else have a trampoline and you know jump over it uh, another very uh, interesting thing one can do with anger is to offer to the divine and ask for peace one universal remedy is calm and peace this is a universal practice the first practice in yoga to form a basis of calm peace equanimity and no amount of effort one can spend on it is ever wasted in fact for years and years one has to practice it because even when you have created a fundamental basis of peace and equanimity there will always be situations the world is very wide there are always unconscious movement a little unconscious movement a little pin prick somebody says a word you you feel that you have become you know equal minded well to many people you can be but somebody to whom you are deeply attached a word is enough to pierce an envelope so to practice calm peace equanimity and form that is the basis is one of the antidotes for anger am i not forgiving them or am i being too harsh on myself um well forgiving as i said forgiving is um, uh, you know um it's not a <laughs> well it's a good thing to do it but it's not a correct psychological movement forgiving means condemning and then forgiving whom do we forgive whom we believe is guilty and then we forgive it's uh, essentially a christian concept but uh, in the indian thought whom do you forgive you understand you understand human nature why it is what it is forgiving is when you, one divides the world into uh, you know good and bad but it's not like that there is a constant journey everything that is evil today is striving towards good or it is relics and remnants of good which is broken and that becomes evil so once we look at life in a continuum and when we read stories like you know ratnakar changing into valmiki and angulimal and jakai and madhai and saint paul and augustine then we understand that look life is constantly evolving so when we forgive we fix people into slot so it's not a very it's okay it's a, it's a good thing better than <laughs> being revengeful but eventually it is understanding and compassion and generosity which are the true movements and uh, am i being too harsh on myself yes if you hold the anger inside you are being harsh and it's not good to be because when you are harsh to yourself it is equally harmful 
That's how Shivabindu describes in the synthesis of yoga that the asuras are harsh on themselves. They despise the divine hidden inside the body in various ways. They are harsh. This, of course, is a very subtle way of you know troubling oneself, torturing oneself. So he says Krishna has to be nurtured and nourished. What has to be thrown aside are all those things that distort this efflorescence of the divinity within us. And he says the band of spirits enemies whose names are lust and greed and anger and fear and all these things. So it's important to understand that while we forgive and all this, but when we hold back anger within ourselves, we have to find ways and means as I was mentioning. Otherwise, yes, we are being harsh not only on ourselves, we are complicating God's work within us. So don't become a martyr. It's, you know, conquering the ego doesn't mean I become a footballer, a doormat. That's, that doesn't help at all. It, it only makes us enter into a state of tamas, where we have no power or strength left even to resist. Second is I witness difficulty in maintaining moderation in eating. It's either total abstinence or overindulgence. Yes, the two go together. If you... Uh, so that's why the principle in life is about balance and moderation and one good practice is uh, eat very slowly, take time to eat and take small morsels and chew them well. I'm talking of those who have this problem. It may not be possible if one is you know, busy with 100 things but this is the way to get rid of this problem of either overindulging or abstention. So both stand on the same plane. If we overindulge in something, be sure that it will rebound back and one will develop what is called a shamshan vairagya. And be sure that if you try to practice abstention, forced abstention from something, it is going to rebound back. Like the sannyasis, when they come into the world, vrittis and tendencies can emerge. So balance and moderation is the path that has been told by the Buddha, by of course, Sri Krishna and Sri Aurobindo and the mother. Balance and moderation. And that comes best if you take time, eat consciously. Very often when we are eating, 100 things are going around. So eat consciously and then it gets into the system. Third is, my question is related to one of your talks that we heard on sound health. Where you suggested to be in a perfect state of consciousness, you must master yourself. That nothing affects you at all. Uh, no desire, thoughts, feelings, vibrations, food, etc., I am talking about equanimity here. So what is meant by this is that we should be in a state of equanimity where things don't affect us the way they affect. I will give an example what is meant by desire. We go into a market and we have gone to purchase something because we need it. Even before we go, we should be clear, do we really need it? And the moment we go into the market, you know, the big basket as they name it, is already filled with all kinds of things. Now that is being driven by desire. But it's perfectly fine. You need something. You go to a market. Pick it up. Be focused in what one is doing. Having said that, it takes long. Because desire is like a hydra. It will take thousand forms and come to us. So it's a never ending process. But one of the best ways to take away the sting of desire is to desire the divine. It's the, one of the best ways. Because it's like you start tasting that uh, Rajbhog. So that Gurkha Mithai, you know, starts losing that taste. So this is a process. So desire the divine. Of course, aspire for the divine. And slowly, because one will start getting that touch, that taste, all other things will slowly begin to lose hold. But if you try to struggle with desire, staying where we are, I should not desire now I can tell you it will take 10,000 forms and come. 
it takes even in the sanyasi weird forms at its extreme it takes the desire of salvation which is nothing but a misguided illusion because in fact there is no bondage it's our own choice but the sanyasi has a desire to be free from the snare of the world so uh, seek the divine and then one will be free from desire it is a spontaneous result of <laughs> seeking him <coughs> it's like you are traveling with someone who can uh, you know who is uh, all giver all knower everything so why would one ever seek anything else or anyone else or you know that's how one has to practice it and having said that it takes time so what i mean by vibrations is again some people are very touchy oh i am getting negative vibrations maybe they are, the world is full of all kinds of thing we breathe poison so but if we try to shut ourselves in an ivory tower if at all it is possible then we lose on the movement of expansion so it is true it we should be able to recognize discern but try not to get affected now when we look at it what really affects us is when we are deeply attached if we are not attached to something we can stay cut off but the moment we are attached to someone or something that's when the vibrations begin to affect so we have to perform that little inner surgery which is sometimes not easy because one way people detach it by cutting off from the object or the person which is okay if one is overwhelmed or the other way to keep the love the baby and take away the attachment the bath water <laughs> attachment is the bath water it means the baby of love is growing so thoughts thoughts of others thoughts and feelings yes so that is possible when we when we create a synthesis within ourselves organize our individuality we have to do this practice of what i want to think that i'll you know so that means a stage when we challenge all the standard stock thoughts and we think them over take a simple thing we must respect elders so we should learn to take this challenge why should i respect the elder just because one is little older in age or one you know one must um, do this kind of education and have uh, you know kya bolte hain ghoda gaadi car and all those things so one should challenge all these um, thoughts suggestions feelings which are coming from all over the world and then when we begin to create a conscious synthesis within ourselves let all these things pass through our thought process then it becomes much easier to handle them because then it's an automatic movement so we must observe our thoughts feelings how they are coming from where they are coming in whose company they are coming what kind of activities they are coming it's a whole uh, field of work how does one get to that state practically and sustain that in our day to day life of our mental emotional social and physical demands have only one demand from yourself it is to realize the divine everything else make it secondary one cannot uh, you know in in uh, army parlance we say don't open too many battlefronts <laughs> let there be only one demand from ourselves if you want to put it like that it is to realize the divine and even there depend upon the divine grace it should not become too much of oh i have a demand on myself i must strive for the divine then becomes an egoistic effort but keep focus on one and only one goal the divine all the rest will slowly begin to fall in place because he is the central piece of the puzzle of life when we put the center right all else will begin to find its place but if the center is not right see when we have too many demands so what happens in social life we have a demand like okay my uh people with whom i am associated husband wife parents and you know in laws and god knows 
um, outlaws who all you know and you you keep them in the center during that period then you know you you are going for work so you are keeping another thing in the center it doesn't work like that keep divine in the center what does it mean when we are interacting with social life does it mean we don't interact interact sometimes you have no choice but in in the world one has to interact so when you interact keep yourself inwardly concentrated nobody can prevent you from doing that maybe people will say oh you look a bit lost see yeah better to be lost inside than to be lost outside have a sense of humor sometimes people do that people have weird ideas once i remember somebody observed my shoes and told me ki you know your shoes something needed some something something i forgotten you know maybe a, some polish somewhere i said why are you looking at my shoes you know look at my heart and my brain why are you bothered about my shoes so live life with a sense of humor but most important keep the center right this is a fundamental principle under all circumstances just keep because it's easy then you have one center rather than you know okay when i meditate i'll keep the divine at center but when i am outside i have my society at center when i am at workplace i have those work colleagues at center no keep the divine at center and i tell you he will take care in ways which are beyond our comprehension i have worked in you know air force organizations where you are not even supposed to keep a photograph of let us say somebody whom you regard as your master and you have to practice certain things so i said no i did whatever i felt like is the right thing and uh, i would play sunil das music in the morning and keep mother shivinder's picture and all this happened didn't go for parties after a while people were so much uh, you know they used to appreciate that you know um, here is a man who lives by his conviction so initially you will be misunderstood but ultimately people will understand you if the motives are right if the motives are wrong i am not saying it should be done in a state of arrogance and you know i am somebody superior or elite no you are doing what you believe to be true and it's not going to harm anyone i'm not saying that you know one should start doing hari rama hari krishna sitting in the office but keep that concentration in the heart and nobody can before we start the work sit for 5 10 minutes wherever the office is and stay focused inside it will be wonderful uh, so that's how keep the center right and all else will fall in place how do we work on making our consciousness clear and clean on a regular basis to uplift ourselves to the higher ranges which we may experience for a fraction or a little longer at times but to make it a conscious practice how do we know or identify that we are rising and that what we experience is truly a higher range of consciousness and not just our imagination three questions are there in it first of all to keep the consciousness clear and clean there is no better way than calling god's name doesn't matter ma 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 even hey krishna govinda do it inside if you do it outside they may refer you to a psychiatrist but do it inside call god's name is the most powerful antidote to everything that is unclean nothing unclean can come if we keep that state now so the question changes into how to enter a state of constant remembrance that comes by practice that comes when we begin to value whom do we remember somebody whom we love so when we love the divine and then we enter into a state of remembrance if we can't remember from deep from the heart doesn't matter remember by the mind if we can't remember by the mind remember mechanically that is the best way to keep the consciousness clean and clear people use special techniques like imagining a white light entering and all that that's where you know 
uh, imagination and all this comes in. But let me tell you that imagination is not uh, as bad as it seems. What is imagination? Imagination is image. It comes from image. So what are we doing when we when we imagine that there is a white light coming and entering into our head and going right down to the legs? I'm giving an example, and you feel peaceful after it. So is it imagination or reality? I would say imagination open opening the doors to the reality the image represents. In a way, everything is an image. The whole world is an image. Look at a mountain, and after some time, you enter into that vastness. Look at the ocean into the. It's they are all images. How does it matter if the images are created by our senses and the mind? They have woven this um, world of name and form. All names and forms are images. Now, they are images created by the cosmic mind. Human beings have been given this special capacity to be a part creator. Something of that cosmic mind or maya as it is called is there in human beings to imagine. And there is nothing wrong in imagining. We imagine a world, you know, that's how we, you know, that famous song, how did it start? Imagine that there is a world without boundaries. So it starts with imagination. One day the imagination changes into reality. It opens the door. Imagination is one way that we express our longing. And I can tell you it's a very, very powerful tool. It's not just an individual thing. You imagine, let's say, let's, I'll give an example. Even subconsciously for a companion. This imagination you may think that is okay within you and you swallow it. It is there active. Mother says a desire. It goes into the world and it has claws. It will bring to you somebody after 10 years and you say, oh, I didn't want it now. (laughs) It may be money. It may be anything. It is true. But normally we don't put enough force into it. When you desire something, when we desire something or think about something, the In the thought world, in the desire world, uh, vibrations have gone searching for that. That's how the universe operates. And unfortunately, it may not bring the product that you you really want. (laughs) And life is miserable. You may get a very big house and you imagine that, you know, with the house, I'll be happy. This is also an imagination. You realize, no, it doesn't make me happy. So imagination is nothing wrong with imagination. It is a door to reality. Use it effectively. It's wonderful. A lot of people in Corona died out of fear, morbid imagination. So have a healthy imagination. If there is an illness, imagine that, you know, it's nothing but just a passing wave, stay untouched. Imagine that God's grace is around, there is a light protecting us. Why not? So it's, it's a, it will, you'll see the effects. They are very real and very objective. Can you please provide one powerful intervention to apply for anger management? People speak about deep breath, all those things. Another simple way is, during that time when anger is rising up, just turn the mind away. These are all simple techniques. There is something still simpler. Turn the mind away to something else. After some time, you will see that anger has gone away. It's like a vibration which is entering. If you dwell near the person or the object, it will hit you till ultimately it strikes. So it is a principle of life that don't speak or rush to write in a state of anger. Wait for some time. These impulses are like this. They will rise. And then if you hold on. They will fall away. It's true of anger. It's true of lust. It's true of everything practically. If you just do time out. Then after the time they will phase out. But the simplest is again calling the mother. 
it is one of the simplest and the best ways instant intervention is called ma 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 this one i don't really remember in one of your talks you shared a healing process of a finger by dr higde yes i i do remember now supported by magnetic fields and micro current currencies no micro currents which role will be kind of healing play in the future so what has happened is that uh, not only in healing in every field actually human beings have reached almost the limit of the mental world so they are looking for something beyond so in the 60s the mental world had already reached a peak industrialized society scientifically organized society so because of the supramental manifestation in the 60s there was a revolt you see now we are experiencing it in the true sense we want no education these songs started coming and you know there was a revolt against a very neatly organized society which was governed only by reason so people wanted alternate experiences that's why the drugs came up which of course is a very dangerous way to have alternate experiences but the point is that ultimately there will come a time when we want to go beyond the human limits and the human formula and it doesn't you know it it need just a little common sense even today i was sharing this with one of the doctors i said see look at it very simply facts observe the facts about 100 years back or 200 years back we didn't have so many why 250 years back we didn't have so many medicines hospitals in my place there was no hospital and there was a doctor rmp who would you know give some dispense some mixtures we were healthy people once in a while if there was a snake bite that's when there was a need of you know anti venom and all that but today with allopathic medicine what has happened we have multiplied hospitals we have multiplied drugs and we have multiplied diseases today if you know you have an objective uh, test they will ask how many variants of corona are there multiplied them now you know there is constant fear as if corona is coming from every side earlier it was called a flu even now it's a flu so people will one day all peoples like dr hikde and there are others who have reached a point where they realize that mental understanding and a mechanical understanding of life has its limits it has reached this limit and a time is coming when human beings are exploring alternate fields and one of them is magnetic therapy pranic healing reiki i am not saying any of them is perfect Uh, you know if somebody promises a panacea it's not true but at least there is an exploration that there is much more than what meets the eye or to quote shakespeare much more on heaven and earth than our science dreams of horatio so there is a lot more and these are roads towards that it is not ultimate but these are roads that there is more than just the physical intervention to drugs and uh, material remedies i'm not saying they don't help they help but we must understand that there are many many ways beyond our eyes can see and um, or our science can analyze and understand so that's the direction science will take there are some healing devices using magnetic fields micro currents and uh, quantum sensors developed in russia us and germany and maybe other places too what role does india play in bringing forth this kind of new knowledge and technology not at all in new knowledge very 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 ancient knowledge as ancient as the hills it was given a different names so they would not use the word magnetic fields but definitely magnets were there they knew about the you know one of the ancient uh, things i'll tell you i'm not saying become a 
Dakia Nusi fellow, but there used to be keep your head on one side while sleeping and the feet on the other side. Heard about it? It is very, very old tradition. What is it based on? Magnetic fields of the earth. So there was a whole science much more than just healing by magnets. It was a healthy way of living. It was told that, you know, don't um, um, sit below tamarind tree if you are traveling and sit below neem tree. Uh, Mother used the word spiritual atmosphere for neem. So this was a knowledge which has got lost and now it is being rediscovered. So this is the domain of the occult. And this occultism, while in India also occult knowledge was there, but its hub was always what today is Latin America, Egypt and places in Europe. But India's contribution is beyond the occult, the spiritual field. India's contribution is God, God vision, God action, God intervention, which is what makes it complete and ultimate. So they are complementary, like we can take a allopathic medicine and yet pray for the grace. So similarly, these are all occult ways, they break free this idea in the head that uh, allopathy and allopathic medicine are ultimate. I am not saying ki they are useless, they have their place, but to believe that they are everything and to discard everything else is really a fatal error. So these explorations are helping us understand these uh, you know near possibilities now in germany nikola tesla is widely known so someone spoke about him a vibhuti of shirobindo now i don't know it's hard to say i i don't know much about his work but i know that he was a you know well known inventor and it's quite likely that he was a vibhuti whether of shirobindo or not that's a very difficult thing to say unless shirobindo confirmed but if you look at the vibhutis of the divine Quite likely, but I don't know the list of inventions he make. Vibhutis of the divine will end up making inventions which are very futuristic. He was supposed to be one of them. So it's quite likely that he was a vibhuti of the divine. Divine vibhutis need not be a believer and you know conforming to an orthodox church. They may be absolutely atheist and yet divine can use them as vibhutis. So in, in principle could be. That's my overall feeling. Could you please explain the role of our receptivity on behalf of the Siddhi Day? How can we increase our receptivity to the Divine? Uh, that's a very interesting question. Siddhi Day part, I have al- al- already covered on 2-3 number of talks. But basically, every day receptivity should be increased. What is receptivity? The ability to receive. It means two things. One, opening. You can't receive if the patram or the vessel is closed. Second is, it should be turned towards the source, so turn towards the divine. Third, it should be wide, otherwise it will be very limited. Fourth, preferably it should be empty. These are the four conditions. So, it should be turned towards the divine by simply, again, calling God's name, doing the divine service, whatever way, turning towards the divine is the condition. Opening to the divine. This is the second. They go together. Aspiration for the divine. Becoming wide is something which we have to really work for and wideness and if the vessel is plastic, it is wonderful. Otherwise, receptivity means we open to the divine consciousness. It enters into the little vessel and turns into a rigid dogma. So that we have to you know, be very careful. So wideness and plasticity. It comes as we, you know, we can have a very limited view of the divine. That's when it becomes narrow and rigid. Or we can have a very vast, he's everywhere. That's what India's contribution is. Where he is not. People ask, where is the divine? 
So rather we can ask the question, where is he not? <laughs> what is not an expression of the divine? And what is it that cannot be used as a means to discover him? Even the most banal activities, there are experiences people wrote to Shirobindo, which are amazing in an activity which one would never associate with divinity. And the lady says that, you know, I experienced the self. How can it be? Is it true? And the mother writes, yes, it is true. Because in that moment, you were in a state of complete self-giving. So self-giving is the best way of emptying the vessel of the contents. And self-giving, of course, should be to the divine <coughs> or to the divine in man, but preferably to the divine when we give ourselves. Meaning thereby, we don't hold as divine views versus my opinion, my thinking. It's very difficult. It comes with surrender. Surrender and self-giving are closely associated. Surrender means I accept whatever the divine vision is, divine, you know, idea is and I don't start entering into an argument, questioning, disbelief. Not that the divine minds, he will not punish or anything like that. But it will form a veil between us and the divine. Receptivity will become limited. It is said that our gut is our second brain. Well, yes, it is said. I believe in it. It's very, uh, you know, not too well known but in Ayurvedic practice it is really believed that uh, lot of issues arise from the gut and there is a reason why I believe it. The gut represents literally the abyss in man. You see like the abyss. It opens at one end and it is bottomless pit. If there is any bottomless pit in the human body it's the gut. And as it goes down and down what does it do? It Draw something beautiful. You take a food, healthy and everything. By the time it reaches the other end, it becomes waste. And quite naturally, it is symbolic of the inconscient and the subconscious forces. That's why one of the things that Shurabindo did attempt in the record of yoga, he mentions, to minimize the waste that happens through the passage of food. And one of the things he says for the new creation is that we have to master Especially this food element. Because with food we draw a lot of inconscient, it goes and feeds it. So, uh, undeniably the gut is a repository of all kinds of things. Uh, brain part is a different. By gut, uh, they use the word gut feeling. Uh, there is a truth in it. Some people do draw their energy from this region. Like the, you know, samurais in, not samurais, what is it called? Sumo wrestlers. Uh, many Japanese, they draw their, the gut feeling. But this gut feeling may not be actually gut in the gut sense, but something which is more related to the solar plexus. But otherwise, the gut is a symbol of the, you know, like starting from something good and uh, as the Upanishad calls it, hunger that is death. So all forms of hunger come from the abyss. So definitely to work on the gut, in Ayurveda they have, lot of remedies from panch karma to sudarshan kriya uh, i mean i am not the expert on that but i do believe that if one can take care of the gut and its health it will prevent a lot of problems so it is called as the place where toxins generate which is true medically we don't know what are the toxins which are absorbed eventually uh, in the body always a certain number amount of toxins are circulating urea creatine and all the rest now they are within normal limits we believe it this is a consensus. We really don't know. So, 
where do they all that come from they come from absorption of certain products eating certain products and as a by product of these food like if you take a lot of protein it will lead to you know urea as a kind of by product so one has to be careful now this is a whole science which needs exploration ayurveda does depend a lot on that and i believe there is a truth in it but it's a vast field it's a whole talk in itself how to improve the gut health again eat uh, in moderation and uh, make sure you have a good bowel clearance if if that's not happening um, take something simple remedy isabgol <laughs> or something you know high fiber diet as they say high fiber diet helps in warding off a number of diseases one reason it's not just about high fiber and cholesterol it's also because it makes the bowel passage smooth have you noticed this is a modern research high fiber diet is one of the things recommended for many diseases and one reason could be simply because it takes away the it's a good bowel movement then there is a prayer for the mother by dada well i don't uh, impromptu it was but basically the prayer was um, mother be in my head and in my thoughts be in my eyes and in my seeing we can imagine mother in form in all these places mother be in my ears and in my hearing be in my nose and in my smelling be in my tongue and in my taste be in my mouth and in my speech be in my throat and in my voice mother be in my heart and in the heartbeats mother be in my lungs and in my breathing mother be in my abdomen and in the organs mother be in my arms and in my hands mother be in my spine and in the centers mother be in my base and in the seat mother be in the legs and in the feet mother be in the bones and in the muscles be in the nerves and in the blood mother be in each tissue organ and cell be in every atom of existence oh mother divine this is a modification i mean but along the similar lines dada's prayer is much smaller but is this something which i have used thank you for asking for this prayer because it gave me an opportunity to <laughs> it's one of the loveliest uh, you know prayers that i love so it's like thinking of mother in every part of the body okay so where can i we find the poem on divine maths for children world is zero god is one well there is no <laughs> there is a poem i had written so i have managed to dish it out i didn't know where it is but finally <laughs> i could get it so i'll read it out if you are interested i'll uh, post it along with the whole thing divine mathematics this was written basically long long back for a child well like everything reveals the divine so why not mathematics world is zero god is one so that's how it starts one is he two is me the moment you bring the ego they becomes two two the game of hide and seek the moment there is two there is the game of hide and seek duality begins three the holy trinity the holy trinity is 
the transcendent, the cosmic and the individual. Four is perfect perfection. So four is the square, which is where the supramental. The roots of mystic Ashwath tree, that's where the whole creation starts from. Five is blissful beauty and love, the koshas. So the fifth one is Anandamaya Kosh. Six, the force of divinity. Sixth plane is consciousness. Seven, Satlok. Seven, home of truth above. Eight, our secret mystery. Eight is the psychic being. So, Shubindu describes in the life divine these seven planes. And he says, each of them, the higher four are reflected in the lower four. And he speaks about the eighth principle and that is the psychic being. So, it is our secret mystery. Nine is world discovering God. We have gone all the way now. Now world is discovering God. We have gone through the ways of the world. Ten is earthly destiny. So what is this ten? That's why the whole cycle starts again. What is earthly destiny? God and world in clasp of love. One and zero have come again. World as zero, God is one. So it starts with world is zero, God is one. It ends with world as zero, God is one. You place the divine before the zero it becomes raised to the power of 10. You place the divine after the zero, it remains a zero. So the idea of this poem is that place God add the divine before everything. It will raise even a zero to the nth power. That is the idea of this poem. Then the dream that you had shared about the story of the snake and the couple, how was it associated with your healing of your illness of not piles but fissures? Sorry, I didn't understand, just need clarity. I also don't remember which story were, number of stories like this I have, <laughs> I have had about snakes, about beautiful things. Um, the fissure itself uh, healed, that was actually grace and uh, my method is only one. Don't bother about illness. Call the divine. <laughs> Be ready if you have to go. So, Hishar, Fisher healing was actually a, uh, among the many miracles, one of them. But snake, one, one story of the snake I remember, which is very strange. Um, now, this one I don't recollect now. But how these adverse forces are, they act. One of them was that I saw that I am sleeping and my mom is by my side. And um, as a child, very small child, I used to be, you know, like most children with their moms. And I would have Krishna by my side. So this this what I remember. But I was a grown-up person and then suddenly I saw that there is a snake over her, um, over her chest. And in the dream I knew it is Kalsarp, which, which is the, um, you know, the, the dark power which takes you in its bondage, python which drags you to death. So I remember in the dream taking it off her chest and then eventually breaking its head off. And as its head broke, don't ask me how, snake's head don't break but in the dream it broke. Few drops of blood fell on her chest and then it went, I mean it was thrown aside. But I knew that some kind of illness probably will come. Within uh, I think a week or few days, less than a week, she had breathing difficulty and she was diagnosed as interstitial lung disease, which continued for 10, 20 years almost. And eventually she died. So it was what could have been devastating and very recent. Uh, ultimately, because of just a few drops of blood, her life got prolonged and ultimately she departed in a beautiful way. So these forces, plenty of them, I remember about snakes, but you know, let's talk about divine interventions. <laughs> 
be careful these forces are always active but the simplest way is never to be afraid of them always to be always to know that everything comes from the divine and there is nothing not to think of adverse forces hostile forces think only of the divine and in front of the divine nothing will be active even the worst darkness will be just uh, either transformed or run away so the best is and there's the story of prahlad the snake was sent to prahlad hostile force change into a mala so galen so best is to remember that and is there a question more i think that's it ah okay so this was the list which was given to me and i believe there are two more questions so can we just have them yes please yes thank you alokta so there are two more questions one ask how do we recognize divine work and how can we become exact instruments of divine work wonderful how do we recognize divine work oh, there are two ways one is a work given by the divine now that is a uh, you know special act it needs a long preparation of the instrument when the divine he will sanction you will either actually see the divine in a dream vision or an experience where he will actually give the work now this is not common the second way to recognize the divine is swabhav niyat karm where there is within us an angst our swadharma is to act in a certain way it it we are and there is an enthusiasm about a certain kind of work so this is the second simple way of understanding it and the third way is all works done as an offering to the divine can become part of divine work so there are three ways to understand it start with every work that we are doing cooking cleaning teaching reading listening sitting is also a work uh, not doing any work is also work <laughs> it's a choice gazing listening speaking everything it should be done as an offering so by doing it a time comes when the divine begins to touch the human vessel at several points then either if we have a destiny or there is the soul's aspiration then the divine may or may not accept it because doing divine works is it sounds very easy because divine is doing the work <laughs> divine work means first thing to realize is you are not the doer divine is the doer so one starts with that that the divine is doing then divine can take up the human vessel and use it for her work now that when that happened things become very difficult because divine work is not easy i mean arjuna was the divine instrument we can see that you know abhimanyu is gone the battlefield and all kinds because divine work means struggling against a whole mass of darkness and falsehood which right now rages upon earth victory is eventually of the divine worker but few things which we have to practice persistently are equanimity remembrance and offering to know that one is not the worker and this thing will come several times desist every effort at self glorification or never think of what money or benefit i am going to get out of this work nothing for the divine worker there is only one wage and i can tell you this is the highest wage <laughs> is the delight of the divine delight of being with the divine that's all he may use us for a work or he may give us nivrati from a work because he wants us to prepare still more so for the divine worker he wants nothing else nothing 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 
no self glorification no poster so so and so is a, what people do is their business but from your side it should be very clear because how can one it is the divine who is working how can one glorify a name besides you begin to realize this name and form is a very temporary momentary construction this fellow who is called as alok pandey is nothing it's just one life there will be so many lives to come beyond and lives which are left behind how does it matter that in this life one is known by a certain name and has a certain form who knows in past life what was the name and form one had who knows in the future what will come so to be completely detached from all these things to be open only to the divine will and one will get to know this will if there is a quietude one knows this will second when we engage in divine works there is a spontaneous joy in the being you get all the energy and everything else that is required for the divine work because the divine has picked up and he will give all the energy regardless of your state you may not be well physically and yet in the divine work you will see that the divine will give all that is needed precisely because it's the divine work and it something very natural spontaneous it flows it's not like okay my work is to give a talk so let me prepare from 100 places no that's not if that is required then we are not something else is coming because behind that there is performance how well i am doing it's not a performance it just the divine flows as breath flows through the nostril and that's the divine work there is enthusiasm there is inspiration from inside the doors of inspiration are open i mean inspiration not just for talking one may be cooking the doors of inspiration will open and you will see how well that cooking will be uh, i mean apart from you others will also enjoy it <laughs> so whatever work when we do it with an opening to the divine only with the idea of serving the divine only with one reward the delight of the divine and the joy of service then life will become wonderful nothing more is needed and i am so so glad you asked this question because this is something missing uh, in today's times even in traditional yoga we are taught about meditation 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 <laughs> but the joy of service and the progress one can make the mother says you can progress 10 times more through works done in the right spirit Shubhendu goes on to say, "All the great experiences, including Sachidanand, can come exclusively through works." And then he gives his own example. He says, "Good Lord, what else my life is if not an example of this?" So, thank you for you know that question. Uh, aspire one day. Uh, till then, remember, offer, know that we are not the doer. Learn to step back. Wait for the inspiration. Seek the divine will. One day, maybe she will. lay the hand and say all right and roll yourself <laughs> and then life begins <laughs> what shall i say it is something very delightful yeah some other question there is second question there is one more question aloka yeah. how does one use one's will while being surrendered for healing illnesses yes this is wonderful so there are two ways people take it how does one use the will one is that they say no no it is up to the divine that is not the right way then our will goes into sleep but we have to put the entire instrumentality of nature at the divine service which includes will thought faith emotions everything including the physical apparatus so we should have the will for recovery and the will for cure and then this will for recovery is to be offered to her and surrendered the sign that we have surrendered this will for recovery is when we are not restless 
when we don't become ari i surrendered yesterday but today the fever has gone higher <laughs> what's gone wrong with me no stay in that state of surrender but keep willing the recovery the beauty of that is that it's not about uh, you know whether one is healed or not one is healed uh, unless there is an inner electable destiny but even if one is not that surrender of the will its effort and surrender to the divine will carve lives to come it's not uh, simple to be in a state of surrender to the divine and even if one is there to leave the body it is the best state to leave the body that's what the mother advises put your will for recovery at the service of the divine you are increasing the chances of recovery much much more and if for some reason reasons are many inwardly the soul may choose it may believe that the work is over or the divine may simply say come over want to have a little good chat with you over a cup of tea tea with the divine so he may pull us up so hurre but the thing is ki she says if one were to leave that body also it is the best condition to leave the body so the will should be for the recovery never for death never for uh, destruction disease or you know oh what is the difference nor passive state of uh, mute acceptance okay bhagwan ki marzi hai marna hai to mar jayenge word nahi aana chahiye but whatever the divine wills my will is for recovery i leave it at your feet o oh lord do with me as you would want to happen whatever is best for me this should be the approach yeah just will and faith in the recovery are excellent things i tell you you know we talk about body processes and mind processes where is the switch if you know the switch automatically the process get activated now this is something that modern science is on the verge of discovering that if there is a will to recover it activates in the mind and body processes for healing but if the will to recover is paralyzed and you know how it is paralyzed oh my god i have corona i am going to die now this is how the will is attacked first thing in an illness is the will and faith they are attacked faith changes into fear will changes into incapacity what can i do i have got a terrible illness i am going to die after two days see so many have died and relatives are also like that they will come and say oh my god you have corona oh ho oh, oh. ho they will stand away stay away from all these people that's a wonderful time just to remember the divine god has given time out <laughs> or time in <laughs> so this will and faith will trigger the body and brain mechanisms and i am talking science right now hardcore science but if we confuse the body where the mind says i want to be all right but what can i do the disease is such and the doctor has given a prognosis then i am giving confused signals to the body or if i believe my healing is entirely in the hands of the doctor then every nod of his is going to affect me never give will to anybody it's it's the unique uh, most powerful thing given to man will faith imagination so will for the best recovery why not illness is a falsehood but leave it in the hands of the divine to fulfill it meanwhile go through whatever medication and other various reasons people go through it that's okay nothing wrong with that okay yeah offer the will to the divine
Yes, thank you, Alokta. We also, during the journey, found Ma Pethi to be the best Pethi. Yeah. And natural Pethi, Alopethi, everything works with Ma Pethi. Wow, wonderful. Ma Pethi is so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, yes. That's the ultimate. Yes, thank you, Alokta. Thank you so much. Thank you thank so you, much. Thank Alokta. you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much, Alok. Thank you so much. With all love and Thank prayers you. for every one of us. Thank you so much, Alok. Thank you so much, Alok.